Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Eben Novi Williams, and this is the Putting the No in Moreno sports business podcast, The Sportacast. Perhaps the best one yet. I didn't <laughs> see it coming right to the point. We know what we're simple, declarative, maybe even exclamation point. Maybe could have said it with a with a hint of a Spanish accent, putting the <laughs> no in. I, I love it. I love it. Not for sale. Was for sale, not for sale any longer. Uh, one of the major franchises on the market, of course, the LA Angels. And Artie Moreno just decided that uh, a little late in the process, by the way, not everybody thrilled with the way this goes down. The uh, if, if you put it on the market and you want to sell it, people like when you pull the trigger. But uh, you had a, a decent number of tire kickers here, right? And still not sure exactly what the scenario is and why Artie Moreno chose to do this. But as you said, if you want the LA Angels, you can't have them, at least not for a while. Artie put this team up for sale last year. It was one of two... Major League Baseball teams publicly on the market alongside the the Washington Nationals. Definitely more valuable than the Nationals. We have the Angels ranked eighth in Major League Baseball, $2.5 billion, Scott. Uh, so there was a good chance if this team sold, it was going to sell for a Major League Baseball record, the record uh, the, that Steve Cohen paid for the Mets uh, a couple of years ago. What Artie said in his statement was that he had unfinished business with the club, Rob Manford put a statement out saying that there was a lot of interest. Uh, I think there's a number of ways to look at this, but I feel like, I mean, I feel, I feel good about the way we've couched a lot of this, Scott, because you and yeah, I have we talked, knew some, we knew a bunch of these probably would not. Sell. Exactly. We've said on the podcast for a while, there's, there's 20 plus billion dollars of sports assets that are on the market right now, but, um, not all those things were going to sell. And, and I do think there was a lot of owners who were going to test the market and maybe find that you know, in the end they didn't want to sell for whatever reason. Not as many bidders as they wanted, not the right bidders, uh, the, facing the idea of, of, of not running a, maybe their favorite asset uh, for the rest of their lives, feeling like, oh, you know what? Actually, maybe I'm not ready to quite, to quite give this up yet. Who, who knows exactly what the situation is uh, in LA? But I, again, you know, don't want to sound like a broken record here. I, I do not think that this is going to be the last team that is for sale right now that does not end up transacting anytime soon. Yeah, I think there's a lot of covering going on here for uh, searching for reasons to pump up what the process was like because bids, from what I understand, bids were not due until middle of February. Mm, okay. Right. So if bids were not due, all of a sudden we're seeing, oh, this this entity bid that, this bid that. 
I'm sure there were some general discussions as to where this might come in, but I get the sense that the sort of the storyline that was developing was that this franchise wasn't getting that much interest, and you know, baseball perhaps as a sport was not drawing uh, the, the the bidders. Tough to tell exactly where it is right now without it yeah. going full process. But my question to Artie Moreno would be. Did you not know that there was unfinished business when you put it on the market? What has changed from when it went on the market to when you decided to yank it off the market? Again, I will go back to real estate transactions because I've done many of them and I've done it myself. I have pulled apartments off the market. You know why I did that, Evan Novi Williams? Uh, I do not know. Well, you do know what would be the reason why did not why didn't I sell the apartment? Oh, because you weren't getting offers that you wanted. You don't get the yeah. offers you thought you would get. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah, right. I didn't discover. You know, I never really painted the bedroom the way I wanted to. I really was going to put a new dishwasher in. You know, the stacking, a washer dryer. I just you know, there's unfinished business for me here in this apartment. So I'm going. It's a little fishy. It's a lot fishy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not convinced that it was as robust as some would make it out to be. However, I also wouldn't be surprised. Give it three months, six months, nine months, where that where that unfinished business suddenly becomes finished and we see the angels on the market once again. We I mentioned the Nationals uh, there a little while ago. A- another team that I, Scott, I don't think you would be surprised either. I would not be shocked if the Nationals come off the market also. Um, and again, there, there's two things here. There's real reasons and there's also perception but if if both of these teams both both teams that are worth two plus billion dollars explore market sales and for whatever reason come off the market uh close to each other uh that can't be a good thing for major major league baseball again the perception and the way that these things get looked at i think a lot of people are going to jump to conclusions yes i agree but one that'll be the storyline yeah that'll be the dominant storyline but one caveat with the Nationals, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but really make sure the listeners understand that the mass and mess, and that's the monumental sports network, uh, I'm sorry, Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, RSN, uh, my brain defaults to monumental and and everything (laughs) Leonsis in in Washington, D.C. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) man. Um, And by the way, you know, look, Ted was the leader to kind of, in my mind, everybody else's mind to buy this franchise, probably did not, from what I understand, didn't want to pay what the asking price was leaving comma, quote, unfinished business in Washington. But the mess with the RSN, this lawsuit, that, that's a major stumbling block to getting a deal. If you can get that solved, I think perhaps is a, a smoother path. Uh, as always, there have been three options. And, and this is, goes for maybe every franchise. Don't sell. You know, Pull it off the market. Okay, we see that now with the Angels. There's, okay, we complete a transaction, as we've seen, not the easiest thing to do with some of these when all this is on the market, or take on limited partners, sell a piece of the franchise. That could still be on the table, not only for the Nationals, but Manchester United and a bunch of the other franchises that we've seen out there that maybe, and we still don't know what Dan Snyder is going to do, right? We know the NFL or many of the NFL owners would like him out completely, but just because he's sniffing around and uh, and the, this crazy story of Bezos is going to sell the Washington Post so that <laughs> that'll endear him to to Dan Snyder. Then he'll sell him the football team. Sometimes it makes me weep for journalism, but hey, whatever. Uh, don't believe that that has any bearing on it. Um, 
But all of those like investment, full full blown sale, or nothing. Those are the options all the time, and we're going to continue to see that play out. Yeah, that's right. And and, and one other thing I'll say on the Angels, um, the the you're right. The the RSN situation in the, in the Nationals is a, is a is a big one. There, the Angels need a new stadium. They play in one of the oldest yep. ballparks in in Major League Baseball. We've mentioned on this show before sometimes that that's a great thing for prospective owners. They can come in and put their stamp and do something, uh, do something really big. It's also really expensive, right? So, so who knows how much the, what the situation with the Angel Stadium, uh, opportunity there, what that would cost, how much that kind of weighed into, to, to, to what Artie was seeing in the very early kind of preliminary conversations with potential buyers. Uh, you're an East Coast guy. I'm an East Coast guy. We've all visited LA. Close your eyes, Evan Novi Williams. I ask you, in the fight for the entertainment dollar in Los Angeles. And by the way, that I'm not, I didn't say sports. I said entertainment dollar yeah. in Los Angeles or just people going to the beach or them going to play volleyball or them walking along the promenade or going out to lunch, whatever it may be. Where are the angels in the mind share of LA? Like, I think LA baseball, of course, you, you go Dodgers. Sure. I think LA sports, I'm thinking Lakers, I'm thinking Rams, and there's a lot. Rams, oh, okay. Well, I mean, they just recently won the Super Bowl, and sure. you know, they got the new stadium, and yep. you know, they're, 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 if they're winning, um, you know, the, the, the Angels have two of the best players in baseball, and I still don't think of them as capturing mindshare in, in too much of the LA sports scene, so... I mean, it, it, you got to go with it, right? It's you got you got a you got a little project here. This isn't like turnkey. Come in and oh, okay, I'm going to build a stadium, and there's the cash register. I don't think it's it, I don't think it works that way. But you come in, you buy the Commanders, you build a stadium, you got your cash register. Hundred percent. It's it's a city that has, and I, I believe this is right, the, the most expensive NFL stadium mm-hmm. in the country. Yep. It has the most expensive soccer-specific stadium in the country. You got LAFCs. Balmer building. His, you have his what, I, what could be, I, I don't know exactly the numbers, could be the most expensive NBA arena in the You don't country. know the numbers. You toured the building I, with Steve Ballmer. Know, and I cannot, you, had, you had the hard hat on. I cannot remember what the uh, what, what, what the top-line dollar figure is. But if not the most expensive, one of the most expensive and, and the newest in, in, in about a year uh, arena in the NBA yeah, that's a tough. It's a tough market, given and, and, and everything else, entertainment wise that you mentioned. It's a tough market uh, to to fully compete in. That said, I, I believe that the Angels are for sure one of the the ten most valuable clubs in in, in yeah. baseball. And I and I do believe that if Artie changes his mind in six months, I think this team could very easily sell for a for a Major League Baseball record. Uh, so I think those things can can all be true simultaneously for sure. Uh, all right. Speaking of expensive clubs, our our boy Kurt Poddenhausen doing his thing again. <clears throat> excuse me, earlier in the week, released his EPL valuations. I believe I mentioned Manchester United earlier. Number one in the EPL. Now, this is where I have to go to my phone and kind of make the picture bigger as I'm looking at it. $5.95 billion, Pretty well clear from Liverpool at uh, 4.71, but not a surprise, sort of the brand of Man U while not having the most success on the pitch, if you will. Uh, and as we know, for sale right now, uh, that's certainly a global brand. Very interested to see what happens with this particular sale. I am, and, and folks who are interested in the in the um, in the economics of, of top tier European soccer should read Kurt's story alongside these valuations because he does a really good job of of highlighting this is essentially two leagues. 
the EPL yeah, top is, six and everybody else. A hundred percent. Yeah. There, there, there's promotion and relegation concerns, excitement for everybody except for the six most valuable clubs. And if you're Man United, Liverpool, Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea, or, or Tottenham, relegation is essentially never a concern. You're not going to get relegated. You're spending so much money. You have so much talent gap. When are we going to boost Newcastle into that group now that they, it's, they it's have a all the money question, in the world? It's a great question, and we can discuss that. Because um, <laughs> we have a show or just because we can? No, I, I'm just saying I just want to finish <laughs> this point, and then and then let's get into uh, then let's get into Newcastle. Um, I, yeah, I just think that increasingly, from a business standpoint, um, I am starting to think of EPL as just two different leagues. There, there are six teams at the top who, in good years, play in the Champions League and 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 and, and reap a lot of money from that. In bad years, miss the Champions League and, and don't have the money that they would like to. But but they are competing against each other in the top spots and and don't have to worry about relegation. And then everyone else, relegation is a concern. And the valuations are dramatically different. The difference between Tottenham. $3.2 billion at six and West Ham, the most valuable of those other clubs is at 665 million. It's a, it's a, it's a four and a half X difference, right? If you look at these valuations, it is so stark. There are six really valuable clubs and then just a mass of all these other teams that, you know, Everton is, 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 is the second most valuable of those of that second tier. And they very well could end up in, in, in relegated this year. There's just no, no protection from relegation really, for any of the clubs outside of those top six. What do you think that, that looks reason, like? I just think uh, of them uh, as very different. Everton likely, you know, on the market here, probably you know, looking around for buyer. What does what that protection language look like? What's the bid for Everton if you remain an EPL team or if you get bumped down? Yeah, I wonder if it's if it's just two two numbers, right? Yeah, exactly. If, if, if at then. this point, if if you're buying the club or or, or in, in talks, about, or maybe you just wait, right? Maybe the answer is you can't really sell Everton. Right now, sitting in, in in second to last place with 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 a third of the season left to go, maybe the answer is you need to wait until the end of the year and 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 see see what what league they're playing in next next year. Um, yeah, and, and and you mentioned Newcastle there. They're number ten, four hundred and forty million. I think a lot of people looked at that and were fairly surprised. This is a club recently bought by PIF, the the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia. Certainly seems willing to and interested in spending like those teams in the top six in, in four years, are we talking about the top seven? Maybe it seems very possible. Um, it, it seems like seem, you can certainly buy yourself into the top of the that, EPL. That's, that's very, what I'm saying. If you yeah, spend, the, you will win the, the upward mobility from these two leagues I'm talking about, um, seem very easy, right? If you are willing to spend enough money and you're willing to, to handle enough losses, uh, you can get your way up into that, into that top tier. Uh, going down from that tier seems actually really difficult unless you are just, you know, to start to spend significantly less. But the, the, the way that financial fair play works in the UK and, and across Europe is you're allowed to essentially spend uh, in concert with how much you bring in. Right. So uh, once you hit that upper tier, the ability to spend gets higher and higher. And that essentially is a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in Newcastle. They're, they're, they're number 10 in the Premier League in our valuations right now. I cannot imagine they stay that low moving forward unless something dratic, drastically changes with their approach or their ownership. Um, but yeah, the, 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 every year Kurt's story here is a reminder, a friend of the program, Steve Horowitz called this a walled garden. I think that's exactly the right, exactly the right business term to think about the way that the premier league has been structured for these top teams and how difficult it is for everyone else. I mean, Steve may just like crash into something on his city bike right now. If he gets a <laughs> shout out mentioned, you know, during, during the show, as use he's your listening. bell, Steve, use your bell. Yeah, exactly. Do, do not sue us. Uh, but you mentioned, you said the words, the way financial fair play works. 
does it work would be the question I would ask because it seems there's there's certainly ways that money can be um, assigned to a separate entity, not the club, whereas perhaps the revenue is coming in and not counting against financial fair play. I mean, are you comfortable as, as one of the U.S. owners going in knowing that uh, think about like Roman Abramovich who sold Chelsea to Todd Boley and, and Bidotic Bali uh, and, and Clear Lake, you know, finance that. It, are you comfortable going into a world where losing money doesn't matter? So if, if you're competing against unlimited funds that don't mind if they lose money, that's not exactly how I think many owners want to operate their businesses. Yeah, I think the it, it's just a it's just a different mindset, both from an ownership standpoint and from a fan standpoint, right? Which is that like in American sports, you either win your championship or you don't. And and that's, it, it's binary, right? Like you can have a good se- Giants, New York Giants had a good season. They made the playoffs earlier than expected, whatever. There, there, there's shades of gray in there. But the if you're a fan of Bournemouth, just purchased by, by Bill Foley, you're, you're not going into the league wanting to, expecting, or even thinking that you're going to win a championship, right? You want to stay up, right? Hang so in the middle, hang in the middle exactly. all year long. So in some ways, the financial fair play Rules, I think, do work in that regard, right? They, they, they are obviously preventing uh, Bournemouth from winning the Premier League, but um, they are definitely keeping this mass of other teams financially kind of right on, a, on an equal footing to a degree. So again, I think it depends on your lens. There's certainly ways to look at European soccer as uh, this really tilted economy where the haves have and the have-nots have not. But I think there's, if you break it out a little bit more, I think there's a way to look at it as maybe a bit and, and maybe even significantly more fair system than, than what we have in U.S. sports. All right. So just to round it out, Man U, Liverpool, Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, West Ham. And then I think it really one of the most interesting, because like you said, in the top 10 is Everton at 600 million. Um, and we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that, that could go down significantly uh, in a year, for sure. All right, and here's one I did not expect us to be discussing today. But as we were preparing for the show, doing our arduous uh, studies and labor and uh, meticulous filing, uh, uh, looking uh, through, the, through the paperwork, women's cricket popped up on our screen. Oh, boy. Women's cricket popped up on our screen. And you were noticing that the bidding for what the top five teams here, or the five teams in the women's league in, in, in India, like five hundred plus million dollars, that caught your eye. If if you had asked me yesterday, where are the most valuable professional women's sports teams in the world? I would have been extremely confident that they were here in the U.S. Uh, some mix of WNBA and NWSL, where valuations are. Five fifty million, hundred million, something in that range. The numbers here, Scott, for the women's IPL cricket league in India cricket for a league that has not launched yet. These are essentially the, the first five teams, the expansion five teams. Uh, the team in Ahmedabad, hundred and fifty eight million. Team in Mumbai, one hundred eleven million. These are auctions, by the way. Bangalore, one hundred and ten million. Delhi, hundred million. Lucknow, ninety three million. I'm blown away by those, and and it's a good reminder that. In, in other places, specific sports have, have, a, have, have a very big commercial footprint. The most valuable women's professional sports teams in the world are the Indian Cricket League teams that have not started playing yet. Yeah, all, all um, of them. Not even, yeah, exactly. All a, of them. A, exactly. Even down to number five is ahead of number one here. A, a, exactly. So, so yeah, it's a, it, those numbers blew me away. Um, and, and cricket is, we, we don't talk about it enough on the show just because it's not a big, it's not a huge commercial thing here in the U.S., but... Cricket is, is monster business in India and other parts of the world. There's a big push trying to get cricket into the 
uh, LA Olympics in, in 28. If that does not happen, cricket will definitely make its Olympic debut in 32 in Australia. Uh, there are, there are big U S investors, Scott. I know you talk to them. I talk to them sometimes too. They're, they, they're all looking at cricket. They understand the, the value of creation and, and, and just how big a business this is in parts of the world. And yeah, the fact that there are women's teams, expansion teams for a league that has not started playing yet that are $158 million at auction. Um, that's pretty wild to me. Uh, I like the fact that when we talk about sort of adjacent media and shoulder programming to leagues, the the bidding for the rights to teams and broadcast rights for cricket, they seem to take place in public. Like ESPN, uh, when yeah. they held the the bidding for the you know the men's cricket, it was public. Like you could, wouldn't you, you could, love that, Scott? You, I, I would have watched <laughs> that. Senators yeah, bidding that, bidding live public. Would I, yeah, I'd, watch that, that, I'd yeah. love to see that. And, and then you have you know the separate boxes. Talk about your sort of your 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 separate cast, your your mega cast. You ha- you can see the war rooms for all the possible bidders, and they're seeing in real time what the numbers are coming in. You make entertainment and shoulder programming of the bidding rights to get that core programming. I'd, totally. I'd go for that. Yeah, yeah. All right. The, this is a this is an interesting one. Um, because we talk about all the time the Baseball Hall of Fame and when they have their induction ceremonies. And of course, when you have you know, famous Yankees going in and, and multitude, you know, five, six of big name players, everybody flocks to Cooperstown and it's great for the local economy and the Hall of Fame. Um, how do you feel about Scott Rowland and, oh wait, nobody. Scott Rowland will be the lone inductee I I'd be a little concerned if I'm the Hall of Fame for what kind of crowd I think of Scott Rowland, right? Phillies, what 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 comes to your mind? Like, what's the cap there for Scott Rowland? Oh, I I, I think um, I think Cardinals, but yeah, you I think the, Cardinals, the, Phillies, I don't know, whatever. It's a red, it's a red hat either way. Yeah, how, um, how how many? What what's the crowd in Cooperstown for the uh, the induction of one? I think probably not very. I mean, I feel two kind of ways here, right? If I was uh, if I owned a bed and breakfast in uh, in in Cooperstown, phew, I, I I'm not happy right now. But baseball has in in a way very separate from all of the other major U.S. sports has made it very clear that it, it considers its Hall of Fame to be something more more sacrosanct than, than than everyone else does. And that means that not everybody gets in. Not all the big names get in. There's going to be lean years and there's going to be big years. Um, and this is obviously, this is a, this is a lean one. So yeah, I, 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 I don't have many thoughts on, on, on whether baseball should be loosening that if, if the Hall of Fame should be more inclusive. I don't think that decision should be made from a business well, go standpoint Barry, of, the, Boomski, of the Hall of Fame. Our Barry Bloom, Boomski on, on Twitter, you know, he explained why he wrote it for Roland and a few others. And yeah. a while back, a couple of years ago, I, I think it was pandemic related. He wrote a story, you know, we, it's a not for profit. So he pulled the filings and was checking out the revenue and, and what was in the bank there for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, and I believe we called the mayor and he said something to the effect of because there were no visitors for the year or two, they had to postpone doing road work in the town. They just didn't have the revenue that they had projected. You know, I can see Barry sitting on the Atasaga, um, the veranda, and talking with all baseball. You know, I, c- I could see that. But you know, Scott Rowland by himself. No offense to Scott Rowland, but it's not a party of five, and it's not Derek Jeter. So. You know, once again, yeah. from a revenue standpoint, I think I think they're in for a bit of a hit. By the way, shout out to that Reddit user. I know you saw this as well. The the, the guy who who figured out that Scott Rowland yes. was getting inducted before because the URL for all the Hall of Famers is the same thing. It's Cooperstown.org backslash first name underscore last name. And if before the Roland was announced, if he typed in Scott underscore Roland, 
the the uh, 404 error page said that he was not allowed to access this page. And if he typed them in for for other players who were on the ballot, it said that page did not exist. So realized very quickly that, oh, there's probably a hidden URL here for Scott Rowland that was going to go active as soon as they announce uh, his induction. I thought that was a very clever way of trying to figure that out and and, and a good reminder of, of just how, how innovative some people are and, and the way in which information gets hit or gets ready to be announced, something for the future. I wish I was better with my computer skills. As you know, <laughs> I, I'm not great. I'm like, Evan, would you print this for me all the time? But uh, I, they will rule the world. Uh, Sapphire Sport, my friend, $181 million second fund among the investors. How about this? MSG, David Blitzer, Arcto Sports Partners, uh, City Football Group, our friend Ferran Soriano, AEG, Sinclair. And what I see in sports and what everybody sees and they're trying to figure out is everybody wants to know what my focus group of one is doing. Yeah. There is great spending power there. Uh, they all have digital wallets that, <laughs> um, you know, tied to their iPhones. And it's not so much just the investing in sport. When we say sport and investment, we are now looking the entire ecosystem around sport and tech and real estate and media and finance. It's the whole ecosystem. And some of uh, uh, what these, I think the second fund already has one investment, right? Was it Jackpot? Yeah, it's a jack, so jackpot, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that makes total sense. I, I, I told my wife the other day about it, about the, uh, the mega millions or whatever it was, was like over a billion dollars again. And she's grabbing her keys and she's going out the door. I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> and buy a lottery ticket. I'm like, you don't have to go to the score to do that anymore. Yeah, Everything's just, just like I can, yeah. the 50 50 of the Edmonton Oilers, I can do it online. I don't need to be sitting there in, in the arena with that Roger Center in Edmonton these days. That's the way it is. And I can see it becoming insanely popular. I think Sapphire is one of the most, if not the most prominent, sports focused uh, tech VC firms out there. Uh, I think they have a really interesting model and, and business, and, and it flows two ways, right? So they bring in all these names that you mentioned, David Blitzer, MSG, Sinclair, Adidas, AEG, um, their LPs in the fund, Michael Spirito and, and Doug Higgins who run it. They, they're looking out. They're trying to find investments. They find valuation. They're willing to offer capital and some expertise from, from some of the LPs on their fund. And then on the in the reverse, everyone in that ecosystem, whether you're a sports team, team owner, media company, uh, and they're all, as you said, trying to figure out how, how to capitalize on the way Gen Z and Gen Alpha are consuming, right? So, so by being part of this fund, they're also getting the benefit of, of maybe catching something early, having an idea of, you know, they, they, they're in the, the first Sapphire fund in overtime elite and overtime, right? So a media company that is branching out into its own events. They're in Green Park, the, the, the gaming organization. Buzzer, Tonal. Tonal, Buzzer. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it, it's a two-way street, right? Companies get capital and expertise from some of the biggest names in sports and then vice versa. Some of the biggest names in sports get potentially an early look and an early economic piece of the technology, the software, the companies that, that, that could actually shape this business in the future. All right, let's finish up with this because I happen to see it and give a little hat tip to our friend Kendall Baker, who gave a lot of ink to this. But the the Super Bowl of surfing, did you see this this I morning? Did, I did see this, yeah. Insanity. I saw this. Total. Yeah, it's remarkable. What was the guy's name? I forgot. I don't, even I don't, the guy's remember, name I don't remember his name. Yeah. What, he, I, what I know is this: he's a lifeguard. Yeah, and he was and competing. He, went, yeah, he was competing while he was on duty. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I need five minutes to go catch the wave. Oh, I'm gonna go win the thing. Then I got to go back on duty. I, yeah, I, the, I, I love it. 
I know a lot lot of the surfing establishment has tried to um, democratize, maybe the the right word, the the championships and things like that, that that for for a long time, like all sports, Scott, that it it felt as though you needed to be really wealthy to travel all around to Tahiti, to Australia, uh, to to do all the, to to, to Hawaii, to to, to make all the things. And I know that a a lot of different parts of the the surf world are trying to make it so that, you know, you, you can be... A lifeguard on duty might be a little extreme, but yeah, trying to to make it so that that anyone who is surfing and is really good at it has an opportunity to win some of these big things. And this is the the ultimate uh, move over Kurt Warner, right? This is this feels like the, yeah, no the ultimate version of it. Yeah. So the uh, you go from the grocery bagger to Luke Shepherdson on duty go. lifeguard, running in and uh, winning it all, and then going back to his shift. Congratulations! All right, he is. Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter, Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on the Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Our digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network.